This is 92.5 Phoenix FM, Community Radio for Dublin 15. Hey everybody, you're listening to The Power, Andy Knowles, formerly of the Pro Wrestling Rewind on ESPN Radio, and you are listening to the WrestleView International Desk, right here on Phoenix 92.5. Alright guys, you are listening to Phoenix 92.5 FM, the rest of you international mess. Uh, Tuesday nights, as always, it is uh, 3.22 podcast, so we're getting up there. And I'm joined on the line by rest of you's editor-in-chief, Mr. Adam Martin. How are you, sir? I am good, and it has been a long time. Every single time we do this, we say the same thing, that it's been a while. But I have a very good reason why it's been a long time. But I'm glad we can uh, set aside some time here and talk a little wrestling. Yeah, for sure. It's so much has happened both personally and uh, professionally and with the website and with the podcasts and you know, it, it's got crazy now to the point where you almost have a network again, Adam. I know, I hate saying that. <laughs> I never want to say that word again, but uh we are pumping out a lot more than what the original plan was, but that's fine cuz I'm there's more people um, you know, like you guys here on Phoenix FM and then we get uh, the the show up on our feed and then Doug's been doing a Twitch show mm-hmm. and Mike just started doing a post raw show with his wife Victoria, and then we still do the WrestleView live shows. And I'm hinting with wanting to do more content on YouTube, mm. but I also am hesitant to commit to anything with my ridiculous schedule. Like just to block off an hour to talk with you yeah. was something so strategic that had to happen earlier in the week. So I hate committing to stuff. Um, so I'm always nervous about that. But we are changing some stuff with how you're going to consume our podcast, which I'm happy about. And uh, I'm glad I have an opportunity to kind of uh, to drop that that little uh, nugget on everybody today. Cool. Well, let's get into it a bit. We, we kind of talked about this there f- uh, for a while. Like the, the main way that you would um, consume the podcast, obviously, was either to catch it live on YouTube or to get it via the iTunes feed. Now, I'm on SoundCloud. So what what are the changes that uh, that's coming to the, the shows in general, the rest of the media shows, as it were? So c- content in general, in terms of just distribution and, and consumption, has changed a lot over the last couple of years. Um, and I, when, when we stopped doing the VIP section, I started uh, the Trey and Adam show with, uh, with the Trey Dog from Wrestling News Live. And I decided to go with SoundCloud because at the time that was a really popular platform. There was music artists using SoundCloud, but then there was also people using it for podcasts. And you know, even general media would use it. Like if they would interview someone and do a story, they would also post the full interview that they did with that person. So I, that would always kind of catch my eye. So I was like, okay, cool. So you can embed this. It gave me the ability to have an RSS feed with the show. Um, and then I, all I did was also just submit the podcast to, um, iTunes. So there was basically either you could get us through iTunes, you could get us through SoundCloud. If you had any kind of an app on your phone, um, that could pick up an RSS feed, you would pick up our feed too. But I noticed, um, especially in the last year, more people were asking, like, well, how come I can't add your show on Spotify? And I use Stitcher. How come I can't listen to your show on Stitcher? And we always had a, the ability and we always made it available where you could download the MP3. But that, I mean, 
I don't even have to say how lazy people are now. And I'm in the same boat. Like I use Spotify now and the, I use Spotify strictly for music. Mm. Um, but people have podcasts also feeds on Spotify. So I realized, wow, the way I've been doing it is just incredibly outdated and it's, it's been a long wait. So I migrated all of our content to another provider called Libsyn, which gives us the ability to distribute the show on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Music Play, Spotify, um, all kinds of different apps through social media now is going to be easier. It's just going to be far easier to find the show because I would have that problem where I would I would always have to kind of give people instructions. And the second that you have to write out detailed instructions just to listen to a podcast, that's bad. Um, yeah. I, I even hesitate to use the word podcast because I don't really consider what we do on WrestleView Live as like a podcast. It's just we're kind of reacting live to uh, to events and stuff. But um, so st- as st- like basically starting the next week, um, we're going to roll that out. And, and if you are subscribed to our SoundCloud feed, it's just going to forward to the Libsyn feed. But you'll be able to pick us up uh, on Spotify, on Stitcher, on a ton of new platforms, including uh, the International Desk will be part of that as well. Oh, that's very cool, man. Like it's, uh, I've kind of been playing around with RSS feeds as well for a while, so it's kind of interesting to see that there's something different than SoundCloud. I wasn't aware of that. You know, like yeah, and actually, libsyn has been around for a long time. I mean, that's that's their. I think they're the number one podcast platform provider in the entire world. Um, and I just kind of talked to actually the people there are great. Um, if this is almost like I'm giving them a testimonial, and I don't really have to, but. The, the VP at that company um, explained everything to me and was extremely helpful uh, with the migration process. Um, so I'm really looking forward to it. And it's going to be – and also, you know, someone asked us um, – I think it was Goosey asked us on our Facebook group, our WrestleView Media Facebook group, like, are you guys planning to roll out old VIP content? And I said, absolutely. So I'm trying to figure out how I'm going to do that. But I might, I might correspond it up with like the week. Like right now we're in – the latter part of September, early October, I, I could also release VIP content going back, you know, to 2009 around the same time, including the International Desk, which was going. When, when did the International Desk first debut? What year was that? I want to say 2010. Yes. So we could go back to 2010 and start rolling out old shows of yours. Um, <laughs> so I think that would be kind of cool to go back and listen and just kind of cool. see how it evolved from where it started to where it is today. So we're definitely going to do that. Oh, man. And we, we can we can get the timestamp of when we started Sting, Bring Sting to WWE campaign. And like Greg That's right. That's it. right. You know, the most satisfying thing in life was when it happened and Greg came on the show and he's like, you're right. And I'm like, I know. And you stuck through, man. You kept you kept so strong. There's like every year that would happen, and then it wouldn't happen, and it wouldn't happen. And that first year, I remember you were just so elated. So that was awesome. It was fun, you know. And you know, it doesn't need to. We don't need to go into what happened when Sting eventually got there, but yeah, <laughs> it's okay. Triple H still won a match, so that's okay. He did, but yeah. also Sting really shouldn't have been wrestling anyway. He shouldn't age. have been. No, he definitely shouldn't have been wrestling oh. with with Seth Rollins, but. You know, that was, the madness that is WWE is just crazy. But uh, but they also, I when I hear that though too, I'm like, he's also the same dude that had an opportunity back in 2006. Yeah, you know, as early as 2006 that he could have been there. Yeah. Um, but he chose not to, so he showed up way too late. And by that point, you weren't going to get much out of him anyway. So it's it was really hard for me to jump on the anti Seth Rollins bandwagon. When yes, that that spot is dangerous and kind of uh, you, you could say borderline irresponsible to the person you're working with. But I've also seen far worse stuff on the indies than than that that corner spot. But yeah, we'll, 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 we'll not have been wrestling. Yeah, we'll, just we'll talk. Have been we'll talk about that. Like it's 
you know, it kind of ties into what happened with the the Brie the Brie Bella spot during the week. Yeah, you know, <laughs> I, I, I didn't watch Raw before it, you know. So I found it at work where some one of the lads at work was like, "Here, check this out. Look at that kick!" And I was like, "Jesus." That's some kick, all right. <laughs> yeah, like it went viral. Off. I had people reaching out to me um, that don't watch wrestling. They were like, "Did you see this?" And I was like, "Yep, I definitely saw it." And uh, it definitely. And she's, you know, obviously she's a little more mainstream than other women on the roster because yeah. of the popularity of Total Divas, and um, so that's going to be. But it's it's very funny to look at, especially Nikki. I don't know if you if you've gone back and looked at what Nikki does right when the last few kicks hit, but she literally has this look in her face like, "Oh no." And Italia stops too, and then you can kind of see a little hint of Ruby Riot and Sarah Logan kind of reacting, but you really see Nikki and Italia both kind of go, "Oh boy, that that didn't go well." It's the most UFC thing I've ever seen in a WWE ring, and that's really outside ironic. of Brock throwing elbows legitimately was, at John it, Cena it and Randy there. Orton. That Brock threw legit. I mean, if that was an actual mixed martial arts fight, that if John Cena and Randy Orton had an actual real fight. Brock threw, I mean, granted, he didn't even throw it. I mean, he threw it hard, but he threw it hard enough to where it would bust somebody open. I would say that was more devastating. But, yes, yeah. Brie kicking someone's flush in the face was not good. It, it was just like, <laughs> it, it's, it's very rare you see something like that in wrestling. You know, not, I don't just mean today, I mean ever. You know, just, but the, the reaction to it was pretty harsh. Where people were like, "Oh, she's so irresponsible." So it's like, no, it, it happens. You know, she's not like the breed. The Bellas have got way better than they were, um, and it's just. I think the, the over there was a good meme I even saw on the rest of you group where it's like you know they were talking about the set Rollins oh the wrestling fans he made a mistake Brie Bella the worst wrestler ever it's like yeah. no it's it is what it is you know it's I think she I think she dug herself a hole though because when she almost landed on her head uh, a few weeks earlier on Raw doing a suicide dive um, she did an interview I don't remember the what the media source was um, but we had it up on WrestleView and she self admitted that yeah I messed up but I've also had to learn how to kind of operate my body differently since I, I had a child and she said, I'm definitely carrying more weight than I'm, I'm used to. Mm. So she said she was definitely, so she, she like self admitted like, yeah, you know, I'm not, I'm not quite there yet. And then like two weeks later, she just flush kicks Liv Morgan in the face and you just like, it was weird though. Cause I saw a lot of like on my, on my Twitter timeline, anybody that was a wrestler or in the wrestling industry was very defensive of anybody kind of questioning Brie. Yeah. And then you had people in the wrestling media or just general fans kind of going like, well, wait a second. You you can't just kick somebody in the face like that and call it an accident. And that, that's kind of why I hesitate to call it an accident. Like like Seth Rollins breaking John Cena's nose. Like Clearly, he didn't intend to break his nose, but he obviously screwed up a little bit. Mm. But he also probably, as soon as it happened, realized, "Oh no, I made a really, really big mistake." Yeah. See, there was there was two, um, the, with the with the Brie thing. There was two kicks. The first kick, was, fair. Yeah. But then you kick them again. It's like, what are you doing? <laughs> Stop it. Like, that's what I don't understand. Is like I I've watched it so many times, and granted, I've I've seen some people put some blame on Liv, where she took the one of the kicks and reacted, and her instinctual thing to do was to lean forward because probably it it didn't feel good, um, but. I'm also on the same side of like, well, when you're also in there with somebody and you see them react that way, you also have to react to the environment that you're in. Mm. And for Brie to just kind of force the spot, continuing to kick her in the like I've seen that in wrestling sometimes where like somebody will screw something up 
and they'll go back into it again and like like almost force the person they're working with to just come on, we got to do this. We got we 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 planned this suplex, Dara. We have to commit to it. We have to do it. <laughs> yeah. And then the I've person just like sandbags them. Yeah. And then and then they get even more mad. And like I mean, that's basically ninety percent of botchamania is people sandbagging after something goes wrong. Yeah. And that's what I don't understand is like why couldn't people, you know, that are in the industry go, you know, she also could have decided to just stop kicking her. You know, I don't know why they had to go so hard to hard just like I. It's right. Uh, you're you're not a wrestler, Dara. You don't know how to fall on your back, so you can't give an opinion. It's like no, like I have eyes. I I know what's right and what's wrong. And clearly, she was kind of stupid and made a mistake. And I think she knows it and she apologized for it. But I don't know if I would crucify her and fire her over it. But I would definitely. I I would think a conversation is in order of saying, hey, is everything okay? Do you need to? kind of cool this down a little bit do we need to send you to the performance center are you not getting enough you know ring time or what's going on mm. and i don't yeah. know no she, it, like it was weird maybe just don't kick people in the face you know it's like if you can't do a spot like that safely don't do it you know i know and, and that's 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 a legitimate thing to say too. Like maybe don't do the Daniel Bryan, yeah, like you know, kicks to the uh, to the to the chest. I mean, yeah, maybe just take that out of the the offense. Yeah, and like, I think she probably will. I don't think she's going to be doing that. If if we see her on Raw doing that again, that's going to be kind of frightening. I think for people, but yeah. um, you know, unless, and it, unless, you, you unless, never know who to believe too. Because I saw like, <laughs> oh, the Riot Squad was so mad backstage. And it's like, well, maybe they were. I don't know, but well, you never know. Well, you never know who to believe. Unless she wants to go into MMA, you know. Pretty good kick to knock someone out that 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 um cleanly. <laughs> well, I mean, she definitely got a concussion. Yeah, um, and that was that was the weird thing too. Was WWE was very um kind of quiet about it, mm. and then TMZ put the story out that said that they confirmed it. And so I reached out to WWE immediately and I said, "Is this true? Did you guys actually provide this statement?" And I was given the the green light of yes, that's that's accurate. Really, and they just kind of decided to let that information go out and they do that sometimes um where they won't overtly issue a statement but if i contact them and ask them for clarification they'll say yes that's accurate well, but they won't themselves put out a statement so it's kind of you know sometimes how they handle their uh their media yeah well that makes sense you know in in the weird kind of wdb sense of things it's like well there's no point of us denying it because it's it's true but we're not going to advertise you know yeah that's crazy but like i i hope I I hope things improve in in that sense um, because it's it it's not what WWE need. But I think from a from a wrestling perspective as well, like everyone makes mistakes and it's a it's a live it's a live you know contact environment, so injuries happen. But you know, with Bree, she needs to kind of reassess what she can do and what she can't do. And I don't think being I don't think being the female Danny Bryan is you know like i get I, I like i get it you know she's married she's married to him and everyone likes danny o'brien for some reason so i'm like okay you know you're perplexed why anybody would like daniel bryan he's a b plus player you know he's not triple h so it's like okay <laughs> you know sometimes it's very hard to tell if you're being dara the character or dara the person <laughs> when you say stuff like that like, i can never tell sometimes but yeah I, okay it's about 50 50. You know? <laughs> I know. You just, it's like Dara just being cheeky on the air. He's like, well, you know, he's a B plus player. So <laughs> like, it's 
it's like very it's like watching somebody on like Fox News or MSNBC in America here where they just they're so hardline on their team and then you're kind of like wait a second is that person being serious and then <laughs> and then you have to like think about it and then the more you think about it you're like wait a second is this whole channel this way and then yeah so that's you've got your own little shtick here on the on the desk I like it oh yeah yeah particularly with Bryn he gets really upset it's funny <laughs> I listen to you guys a lot and I'll I'll sit there and like like you guys had this hot take about Kevin Owens uh, like a week or two ago I think it was on the last show where you were talking about his comments about MSG and you both were just like perplexed why he would make the comment. I would like to see these guys sell out Madison Square Garden if we're not in town. And I was like, that's a pretty fair statement. To me. I was surprised he said it. I agreed with you mm. that I was surprised of anybody to say that he would be the last person I would expect. But he made a valid point. Like, you're not selling that place out in like July, you know, I mean, with the same thing. Like, it's a it's a valid thing. And if anything, I don't blame, the, you know, I think I thought it was great. I congratulated Joe Coff. I was like, this is a huge accomplishment. And but it's it also coincides with the biggest weekend in wrestling every single year. So you can't like hear what he's saying and go like, well, that's just inaccurate because he's not. I mean, he's not being I mean, who? I mean, we don't really know, obviously, yeah. if if they were going to book the garden in July, maybe they could sell it out. But I would be more impressed with them selling out in July than I would be during WrestleMania weekend, you know, because that's the true testament of the consumer of, of what Joe Coff is putting out there in the media, you know, about them being an alternative. And he was saying that's validation for us. And I'm like, well, yeah, it's definitely validation. But there's also, you know, how many wrestling fans are traveling to the New York, New Jersey area that that weekend? I mean, it's 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 ridiculous. Yeah, it's supply and demand. It's like, you know, it's. Sure, we've seen it. WrestleMania now is an event. It's always been an event, but it's it's a it's a cultural kind of homing beacon for wrestling fans. You know, but even people and who how don't. How embarrassing would have would it have been if they didn't sell it out with that many wrestling fans in town? I mean, that that that's would have probably, been even more embarrassing. That's probably a better question, actually. That's what question yeah. that was never asked, never occurred to me. Um, I think that would be, yeah. Actually, that's that's a very good point. You know, it well, like I think the way the way they are now. Ring of Honor are in a very good position, and a much better position than they have been in the past. Even internationally as well, like they're they're they have much more of a prestige over here than they ever had before. Yeah, they're doing a really good job. Like I I use um I haven't had cable satellite for man probably going on five years now, and they finally I use Roku. A yeah. lot of people use like Amazon Fire Stick and other stuff, but. I really like the Roku service, and they just put out an app for Ring of Honor That's just cool. in time for the Death Before Dishonor pay per view that aired on Friday, and um, you can see all the. Now I'm I'm in one of the rare markets where I can actually see their weekly television show because I'm I'm in a Sinclair market which owns a Ring of Honor. Yeah. Um, but that app lets you watch all the episodes, and then it also easily lets you order the pay per view if you're not an Honor Club member. So That's great. they're doing a tremendous job of getting their content available to anybody that wants to see it. I'd like to see them do a little bit more with like their YouTube kind of content because I think that's a kind of a missed opportunity for them. Yeah, but they also, I mean, they're doing a good job of uploading old stuff to YouTube, and that Honor Club thing has footage all the way back to the beginning in 2002. So they're they're definitely hitting their stride, and they're doing really good. But they probably learned their lesson from what TNA did, where they uploaded all their stuff to YouTube and then nobody cared. Yeah, and, and TNA, I, I have to say, and I, it's not even TNA anymore. It's Impact Wrestling. Ah, uh, um, yes, yes. I, I, do you have this problem as well, Adam, where you keep calling No, them I'm TNA? getting used to calling them Impact. And, and I mean, obviously, there are people that are always going to refer to them as TNA, and I think that's going to be a hard one to... 
it was kind of the the transition of calling the WWE what they are now versus the WWF. It took a long time. Well, you see um, how how I do it. I have a clear dividing line. TNA is the bad. Impact Wrestling is the good. Impact Wrestling is is uh, is an attempt to try to to salvage whatever they can possibly do at this point, and I think that. Any, I, I don't know if you got a chance to see it, but they uploaded like an eight to nine minute documentary profiling uh, the Slammiversary show in Toronto. And mm. you can really see um, the inner workings of like Don Callis and Scott the Moore and Ed Nordholm and then just like the the production staff that they bring in. And, and it feels different. I mean, it's I mean, if you look at if you if you go back and you see who was on the roster even a year ago around this time, it's it's a completely different yeah. roster. It's it's. They, I mean, I like the fact that they're going like they they were just in Mexico City. Excuse me, they were in Mexico City, and um, they're going to Vegas soon. And they were just in Toronto. They're going to New York City for Bound for Glory. And yes, they're going to you know smaller venues, but they're also understanding. Hey, we're trying to rebuild this thing, so why would we go and book like a ten thousand seat arena? You know, let's let's go to these you know these bigger markets, but let's find kind of cool venues. And book those and kind of pack like a thousand people in, and then it'll sound louder. Yeah. So I think that that's been a really smart move. And I'm I was always a giant proponent, uh, backer, um, whatever other words you can think of that uh, can support someone like Scott Demore. I thought he was incredibly vital to that team when they made the transition from uh, from Fox Sports to Spike TV back in 2005. And I was so happy to see him come back and get back in the fold. And I think Don Callis is just as smart and just as useful and and now anthem is kind of figuring it out and i think ed nordham had to bring in two guys like that because he clearly does not have the background in in wrestling enough he's got enough business background to know kind of what works and what doesn't but you need people like uh like don and and like uh, scott you know in the office helping to make decisions and they just had a big meeting with triple h recently and i don't know if that's going to lead to anything but you know, well, they're they're definitely going in the right direction. They're they're doing the 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 right thing right now. Well, there's a couple of things, Adam, on that. The first is like, when I watch Impact now, it feels very much like the continuation, the natural continuation point for where TNA was meant to go. You know, and what I mean by that is 2005, 2006, 2007. It's like someone hit pause and then took the disc out and threw it across the way and put in a new <laughs> disc, and that was like how TNA kind of went. So now when I'm watching the show, I'm like, oh, this feels very similar, but in a good way. Yeah. And particularly working with like Ring of Honor and bringing it, it's not, sorry, obviously the work of Ring of Honor, but working with uh, Lucha Underground. Mm-hmm. Uh, at one point, it literally was those Lucha Underground, but with better production values and more like a wrestling show than a TV show. But um, it was, it, it's very enjoyable. Like, bell to bell, anytime I sit down and watch an episode of Impact or watch a pay-per-view that they have, it's just, it's worlds apart you know uh and i have to hand it to them they've really done a great job but also as well with the with the the other point there with their the way it has been produced mm-hmm. moving from uh you know week to week kind of product ready to pump out the odd show to really focusing on bringing back pay-per-view and building up their brand it's so important like it the Dixie Carter thing and the decline of TNA it wasn't only that the product was bad it was that the actual brand name itself was damaged you know the TNA stank as it was called I, I think Craig Dog called that <laughs> uh, it, it was you know that's very true 
and that's starting to to leave you know but and where we're seeing it really really show itself is in the wwe in a strange way their main roster right now is pretty much all ex tna guys and what yeah would that meeting is probably here look can we license out the best stuff from aj styles the best you know the hardy boys the you know all that kind of stuff uh samoa joe so they can actually build out a much more comprehensive picture of these stars like like it or not in, in all the only thing that tna did was act as a as a protracted feeder for wwe you know and it was because of all the roadblocks that were put in by mismanagement it happened a little bit later than than it should have but now triple h is probably like well look we need this you know so let's just give some money and do kind of what we did with ecw but instead of being directly in bed with them we'll just buy their buy their material and clean it up a bit which is you know pretty cool and even think about the all-in card like from top to bottom it was filled with former tna guys yep so i mean and, and when uh mike tedesco talked to uh don west and jeff jarrett at starcast and they both were like i mean this is kind of what we were doing with tna way back in the day we were doing our, our fan fest interaction shows and we were trying to do stuff like this but they don west acknowledged he said man if we had the power of social media now granted Social media was just starting to really take off in 2009, 2010, and TNA was still around then. So I, I don't totally buy that statement no. um, completely. But he was talking about from a grassroots standpoint, absolutely, of how, how, how much easier it is now than when they were doing their thing. But uh, it is weird to see like all these former TNA guys now on the WWE roster. And then when, when I was at All In, I was like, wow, there's Christopher Daniels, there's Frankie Kazarian, there's Jay Lethal. Uh, it was just a ton of them on the card, so it was it was interesting to see them in kind of that new, you know, Nick Aldis, you know, when he was Magnus, and mm. there was a ton of them on that card. Like, yeah, well, let's let's talk about that. Um, also, by the way, um, there's something that you might enjoy. I, I've I've um, coined a, a new scale, Adam, and feel free to use it. It's called the Katie Vick scale. <laughs> now, how the does Katie Vick scale. the Katie Vick scale? So, how this works is um, one Katie Vick would be. You know, a, a bad, a bad Divas match, right? From back in the day, like okay. a, a bad Alicia Fox match would be one Katie Vick. Ten Katie Vicks would be um, f- um, Snisky kicking, kicking the baby into the crowd. <laughs> <laughs> Which I loved, by the yeah, way. Yeah, it's great. It's so funny. But yeah, so feel free to use the Katie Vick scale. It's it's a good one. I got to see a Katie Vick casket at Starcast. That's I don't amazing. know if you saw a picture of that, but they I had did. a casket with Katie Vick inside that you could take a picture next to. So that's hilarious. Yeah, that was pretty fun. That was the WrestleCrap guys were there, so that was fun. Man, wrestling is so silly. <laughs> <laughs> it's it so really well that, and that's what's hilarious about it is anybody like like I love listening to Jim Cornette talk about wrestling, but when he when he acts so serious when it comes to the like. I, I get it in his era. You had to present it that way, but you just can't get away with that anymore. Um, and it is completely silly. And, and Simon Gotch had a hilarious take on the on the business, too. I don't know if you got a chance to see that. We did a little transcript on, on WrestleView, but he was basically saying the business itself doesn't exist because back in the day, they you were trying to convince people it was real, but he's like, everybody knows it's not real now, so now they're just a, a, a customer. He's like, we're not tricking anybody anymore. He's like, and he made the comparison that, you know, like Michael Bay isn't trying to convince you that Transformers are actually real. Mm. He just pumps out a movie every couple of years because he can blow stuff up and people will buy a ticket, you know? So 
I, I thought his take was really interesting of, of someone who's, you know, involved in the business. And he's just like, listen, the, he goes, that doesn't even exist anymore. He's like, we just have, we just have customers at this point that will maybe possibly come back if they like something and they'll maybe keep buying tickets to shows and other things. Yeah. I think that's a really good way to look at it. Like wrestling has this really weird kind of, uh, because it was portrayed as being real, quote unquote real, the, the negative, oh, it's fake. And then people walk away. So there's there, and that was kind of the conflict that a lot of early MMA fans had, where it's like, oh, I'm not watching wrestling because it's fake. It's like, yeah, I know, but movies aren't real either, <laughs> you know. Like Iron Man isn't real. Yes, yeah. <laughs> like that. It, it's kind of the same thing. And once you kind of reach that point, it's a very hard point for for some people to reach, particularly in the rest community for some reason, where they will defend it to the death, you know. Uh, that's, it's gone away now, thankfully, but that was the stereotype, you know, still real to me, damn it. And you're like, well, it is, it is a weird, I mean, I, I have to even self admit too, like it's, I, like I sat in an arena with over 11,000 people at an independent show. It was a sold out arena, but it is a little silly that we're, we're all getting together and watching people fake fight. I mean, but we're also there because we want to be entertained and we want to have fun. And I think that's for some people. It's hard to. It's hard for people to cross that line a little bit. But Adam, where, but Adam, here's the crazy thing, though, right? And we talked about this. Well, we didn't talk about this, but on the on the show when I was in Rome six years ago, we did a presentation on this. Yeah, that's what the gladiatorial combat was. Yeah, absolutely. They were not real. You know, it was, it's kind of like going to medieval times. Yeah, well, here's the thing: you, you were paying these guys contracts, and you weren't going to kill your most. Po- you weren't going to kill John Cena. Yeah. So you had to just put on a good fight. You know, people haven't changed. It's just we have smartphones now and forget about what happened. I think it's just visually for some, and it's weird too, because like you could go to a play mm. and oh, like okay, that person's not really playing Hamlet. Yeah. Like I know he's not really Hamlet, but for some reason, if someone was to pick Hamlet up and like slam him on the ground, someone would be like, oh, well, that just looks fake. And I get it, because like I've heard that <laughs> I've like, and I honestly, I have to admit this, like when. When um when Joe Rogan has um a couple of his friends on that are big wrestling fans, he'll just kind of like poke at them and make fun of them just to like rile them up because mm. he's not a wrestling fan. Yeah. Um, but he'll be like, "Listen, when I'm watching Game of Thrones, you know, and I see someone get their head cut off, it looks pretty real. But when you watch someone, you know, punch somebody in a wrestling match, depending on how good they are, like obviously Jerry Lawler does it really, really good. Mm. But I've also watched a lot of wrestlers who don't do it very good." So then there's that that kind of for some people that ruins the the fun aspect of it yeah for that and it's just visually it is a, I mean I've I've had this conversation um with my wife about it who is not a wrestling fan and who goes to a lot of these wrestling she went to All In just because oh Jesus she, um, <laughs> she watches that show Arrow with Stephen Amell so she wanted to watch Stephen Amell wrestle oh wow. uh, he's actually really good so she, what's up he's actually really good. He, he, Surprisingly. you know, what? I, it was funny because I heard people around me when I was at watch the show, like kind of criticizing him. But then I would hear people chime in and go like, come on, guys, he's not actually a wrestler. Like he's trying. Yeah. He's, and I he's, thought he did a good job. I and mean, obviously that was a giant carry job by Christopher Daniels. But oh, yeah. even more props to Christopher Daniels to, to work with somebody and make stuff, you know, happen. And obviously, you know, with with how much of a veteran that that Chris is, it was going to go well. And I was very impressed. You know, he took that table spot. He didn't really have to do that. I mean, you could really hurt yourself pretty bad doing those table spots and yeah. he still did it so I was I was very impressed with it. All of time, time.
Okay, so you're catching us on the podcast and you want to find out, well, what if I want to listen live and I'm not in Ireland? Well, the TuneIn app has you covered. That's TuneIn. Just look for Phoenix 92.5 FM and you'll be able to check us out live. Don't forget, if you want to contribute to the conversation, go over to Twitter. TBVI Desk is where you can reach us. Don't forget to chat in live every Tuesday, 8 p.m. to 9 p.m. on Phoenix 92.5 FM. Don't forget to check out Nerd to Know Bases here on Phoenix 92.5 FM with myself, Daryl O'Connor, and Brynn for everything nerd culture, video games, comics, and so much more. That's Nerd to Know Bases, 5 p.m. to 6 p.m. every Saturday here on 92.5 Phoenix FM. Hey everybody, it's JB Jeremy Borash and you are listening to Daryl O'Connor on the International Desk. All in, we talked about on the show. Yeah. And it's kind of it's been uh, gone for a while. The witch. It's been well, what like four weeks now. So yeah, for a lot of people, it's like old topic for, yeah. for them. But but the difference is, you were actually there, right? And rest of you had a whole big um, presence at it, and you you did the the star cast and all that kind of stuff. So, what would be what were your thoughts um, of the experience overall? What did you learn? What was you know? And I, I have to ask like. The stereotypical wrestling stuff. Uh, how true is it? Uh, incredibly true. Um, <laughs> and more so because the one thing I had to get used to that I wasn't, and I don't know why I didn't think about it at the time, but when I was going to that show, I had to realize quick, oh, these are indie wrestling fans. These are not people that are, they're they're aware of the WWE product. Yeah. Um, but they're they're indie wrestling fans. And a lot of them did not really know of WrestleView, which was also because it was weird because I would have wrestlers come up to me and talk to me or I would go up to wrestlers and talk to them. And they were very aware of WrestleView or I I have, you know, I wouldn't say I have like friendships with any of these people, but I talk to them occasionally and um, and 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 people would see that and then they would be like, wow, I didn't even really know much about WrestleView. Like I've kind of heard of it. And that's because, you know, if you go to WrestleView predominantly our content is going to be tipped in favor of the WWE. We still have content up there about impact and ring of honor and stuff, but I mean, you could either say unfortunately or fortunately, depending on the person you're talking to, that is the dominant market share of what wrestling is today. And if all of a sudden the WWE shut up shop, I don't know how long we'd be able to keep WrestleView open because that is a, that is a big reason why we get paid on ads (laughs) is because of WWE, you know, content. Um, It's like this show. Same thing, you know. It's yeah. just, when you talk to, you know, anyone on the street, and you mention wrestling. It's WWE. It's the way it is. It really is, yeah. and and I and I know. So and I, I I saw that event and the whole weekend being just not not so much Starcast, but all in being described as like anti WWE, and I thought that was such a weird way to do it. And they they kind of did the anti WWE stuff at the end of the show, which was off air. Um, but there, there's since been clips put up on YouTube if you want to see what the Bucks and Cody said. But, um. But the the experience was interesting in that I was I was in an atmosphere like I've been to WrestleMania as I've been to Access, it was very different from that because these were I mean it was just a sea of people wearing Bullet Club T-shirts, um, and they were willing to spend hundreds and thousands of dollars on meet and greets and uh, you know you know memorabilia and and anything you could think of that was there, and um, I guess I, at, at times I was a little disappointed with how some of the stuff was handled at Starcast, but I also had a conversation with Conrad at the event, right. and I could not believe the amount of stress that he had to deal with um, 
and he kind of and I obviously I won't say a lot of what he told me because I'm sure he doesn't want it out there publicly, but he definitely had issues with uh, older talent that were brought in to Starcast to do appearances and were I mean just you can use your imagination if you know how wrestlers are especially older wrestlers um, I mean you can't even imagine some of the stuff that he had he had to put up with and and a lot of it was. Um, a lot of talent not realizing how big this weekend was going to be because he he had said publicly he was hoping to sell 800 to 1,000 tickets and he sold I think over 10,000 tickets or something like that. Really? Um, it was huge. I mean the entire hotel was StarCast. You had StarCast keys for your hotel room. Huh. Um, the restaurant in there had a, had a wrestling theme. Um, everything. I mean you couldn't – I mean if you stayed at that hotel and you weren't there for that, you would have been – completely freaked out by it because it was there was booths for podcasts and then the entire hotel there was wrestlers with tables set up to take pictures and sell uh t-shirts and all kinds of stuff which also bothered some people that they would buy a bracelet to get in but then they would have to pay you know 40 bucks to brutus the barber beefcake to take a picture with him but that's that's wrestling i mean you just you have to go in expecting that i mean that's no different that's i don't know if that's that's how um that's anycon that's any con. Yeah. Exactly. And I don't know if some people hadn't been to conventions before and they weren't used to that. But I, I, I told Conrad that the podcast row thing felt more like a trade show than like a media row because he was trying to design it the way um, the NFL does for the Super Bowl. So like during right. Super Bowl week, they have media row okay. and the entire week you have every major media outlet on media row talking to people that are going to be playing in the Super Bowl or former NFL players or anything. That unfortunately didn't happen at Starcast because of the where everything was located. We were by meet and greets and stuff, but unfortunately, a lot of the wrestlers told us, "You're going to have to come to me, or we're going to have to go somewhere private because I can't stand there and talk to you. Because as soon as I try to leave, I'm going to get swarmed, and I don't want to look like an asshole." Essentially, right. and I understood that yeah. that they didn't want to be rude to fans, and but sometimes they have to. Yeah. Um, but like like Kenny Omega was just swarmed, just trying to walk to his meet and greet. He was swarmed. Um, and I remember one night I was, I was coming back, I was dropping Mike off at his hotel. Um, and Cody Rhodes, Brandy Rhodes, um, the Bucks and Kenny Omega were all just trying to leave to go to, because they stayed at a separate hotel and they got swarmed. And I, and I found this like little, little area that would go down these stairs. And I basically said, you guys need to go down here or otherwise you're going to, you're never going to get out of here. And they all they all bailed and they went out this back door. And and that was the only issue is that it was cool and that you could be surrounded by wrestlers and other personalities, but they didn't have a lot of security. And Conrad told me personally, he's like, I underestimated this entire thing. I needed more staff. There was people going into meet and greets that didn't have proper bracelets. Um, it was it was I mean, you could tell there was there was a level of organization, but then there was also you learn quick like, oh, I, I didn't that didn't go well. I didn't do that right. So it was a fun experience. I, I would say if you're a giant wrestling fan, you'd love every second of it. The other problem, though, too, is it was like in the middle of the summer. So the hotel was super hot, um, hot and sticky. It's And I remember I, I wrote on <laughs> online that I got sick afterwards and you you were one of the first people to chime in. You said, yep, that's called con sickness, and yep. that just happens. Yeah, con, so, con, con sickness is it's a oh. thing, and dude, it's, the, it's the worst thing in the world because no matter how healthy you are, mm-hmm. you're going to get sick at a con. It's just the way. It is, because there's people, there's people you know, overseas from um, 
from what culture were there and mm. uh, Matthew from Botchamania was there and he was telling us he's like man I, th- I really hope I don't get sick and I didn't even think when he said it to me I was like why would you get sick and then of course like the next day after I left I was just down for the count for like a week and but it was a good experience but you know the what what did upset me and I I told Conrad this and he apologized but um, they basically said they weren't granting media uh, passes for Starcast because they wanted everybody to be part of this podcast row thing. And I told Connor, I'm like, well, we don't really have a podcast. Like, we do. Like, it's it's like you can get it on a podcast feed, but I don't really consider what we do a podcast. And like, I like I wouldn't consider what you guys do on Phoenix FM a, fo- a podcast either because it's on actual broadcast radio. Like, you're right. on the the radio there. Yeah. Um, but we we reluctantly I said okay I'll sign up for this. But then I saw you know like people from WrestleZone who by the way were very nice to us, um, you know busted open radio and all these. I'm like so I kind of was like well why are these people getting media passes and I had to go sit at on a podcast row like a trade show mm. and because that the very day of the show we were trying to give away a free ticket so people would have to leave their contact information so I couldn't just like leave my table so that's why. A majority of our interviews were done by Mike because Mike was awesome and grabbed a recorder and said, I'm going to go talk to anybody I can talk to. Right. So Mike killed it for us that weekend. But we, and we and we took a lot of guff from people like, how come you guys aren't going to panel? I'm like, we, we couldn't because you, it, it, there were so many things happening all at once. And like at some point when you do travel, you want to relax and have a beer and just kind of, you know, take it in a little bit. And and as much as I wish our staff was as big as it could have been to cover everything, we just couldn't. And we did our best and we learned what we want to do next time, what we don't want to do next time. But, um, but it was, a, it was a cool experience and all in was, I, I, I wrote this on Twitter. It felt like I was walking into a sold out WWE show, except it wasn't WWE talent. It was very odd. It was to see that many people gather, um, for basically indie talent, um, it was was very impressive and it was a really good show. I, I had a fun time. The production didn't come off so great when I went back and watched it, uh, but live it was very impressive to see. That's great. You know, uh, it's kind of similar to what we got on the TV as far as like the feeling. Um, it, it felt way bigger than, you know, it was hyped up to be. Uh, it looked dark on TV. Like, did you could you yeah. see how many people were actually in that place? Because no. it looks super dark. No, no, that's why when he said how many people there was, there did not look like there's that many people there. But it didn't look cheap. It just didn't yeah. look like WWE. And yeah, I, but so. it, the thing is though, like the the stage that they had, and and I and now it's public, so we it's not like we're breaking news here. But mm. this was clearly a Ring of Honor production. Yeah. Um, and I remember thinking that when I was there because I was like, this that looks very similar to how Ring of Honor does their their camera shots and that's very similar to how ring of honor would do a stage and then people when they were swiping their cards at the arena to buy merchandise it would show up ring of honor so it was clearly they they used the ring of honor production granted all this came out of pocket by for cody in the box um but it was a ring of honor production that they purchased essentially but i liked the grittiness of like you would see a like when hangman page would walk out and you would see the other camera guy next to him like I liked the grittiness of that. I loved the MMA boxing entrances they did for Nick Aldis and Cody Rhodes. Mm. They did do some really cool stuff, and I liked the grittiness of it because the WWE's production is so polished and so good. So it was kind of nice to see something a little different and kind of, you know, make it stand out a little bit more. But um, you know what it kind of felt like? It kind of felt like. Uh, do you remember the way you shoot the old Atchera shows where, like, yeah, sometimes you see the camera guy and they'd run into each other sometimes. It felt very much like that. That's a very good comparison. It also felt a lot like ECW too. Yeah, uh, yeah. Where you would the grittiness of now, granted, ECW used to run 
smaller venues, but they would pack so many people in there. So it sounded like there was 10,000 people in there and there was only like a couple thousand, Yes, but it was so loud. Like that was the one thing I always took away from watching ECW pay-per-views was God, it just sounds so loud in there. And, and that did come across with all in. Um, it did sound pretty loud on TV, but it was loud in person. Like I was, I remember Mike sat a section over from Doug and, and, uh, and my wife and, um, he we both were like, whoa, this is because Mike has been to way more WWE pay-per-views than I have. And right. his first thought was like, this feels like a WWE show. It just is just totally different talent. So I was really impressed with it. Um, I, as, as far as can they do that consistently? Probably not. Um, but if they can co-promote it the way they did, where they make it like a destination, that's the way to go. Like if they do all in two again definitely co-promote it with some kind of convention. I know Conrad said he's one and done. He never wants to do it again. Um, but I'm sure he'll have more people step up and want to be involved now that it was such a success as it was. But um, you definitely have to make it a destination because I, I can tell you confidently, there's no way these guys sell out 10,000 seat arenas if they're doing 12 shows a year. Like they're just not doing that. Right. Uh, like ring of honor on Friday, they went to the Orleans arena in Vegas, which isn't very big. And you, I mean, it was not very full. So, and those guys were on the card. So it, it, it ring of honor knows its limitations. Um, they definitely set a narrative and I think they did a good job of doing like the documentary on YouTube and setting kind of a narrative. Like we're trying to do something different and we want you to be a part of this and be part of a revolution stuff. But this that that was the only thing that kind of bothered me about it at the end was as successful and as good as that show was they kind of acted like they could do this like two days a week and i was like eh, i don't think so well you but, know it's like adam remember and this is this is this is something that you can kind of see uh comic-con in san diego mm -hmm. 12 years ago it was in a dingy basement in a leaky dingy basement of a hotel yep now it's the biggest thing in the world. All right? And how they did that was they set the narrative and they changed the perception of what it was. That's what I felt like All In was. You know, yes. it's it's more than a WrestleMania. It was kind of like an experience. And if they sell it that way, people will buy it and people will go. You know, WrestleMania as well the same. You know, it wasn't it wasn't the, the, the grand spectacle that it's portrayed to be and there's a lot of revisionist history about the origin of wrestlemania um and i think if they actually if they actually go in that route you could have something along those lines look conventions are huge now Even, oh yeah, yeah absolutely i think i think that's that that's what this is this mm. is a it's a convention destination yeah. very similar to comic-con i mean yeah. and that's what's cool about it i think they could they could get away with doing two of these a year, I think, uh, and, and just kind of test the market. I mean, obviously, I don't know. They, they didn't obviously disclose financially how much it costs, but, I mean, all you have to do is call up an arena and ask them how much it would cost to put down a payment to, to book a day. And I can't – I bet it's half a million dollars to book an arena that big. Yeah. Um, maybe more. So that's a big check to write, and I thought that was – and that's kind of why I wanted to be there was I saw Cody – and the Bucks talk about it in this Rolling Stone interview. And I was like, you know what? This is this this feels different. I mean, these guys are putting up their own money to yeah. see if this is going to work. And then it sold out. And then they had this this monumental weight on their shoulders to put forth a good show. And I think they did put forth a good show. They almost missed their cue of, <laughs> of going off the air, which was hilarious to watch live because you could see people. I mean, at one point when Marty and Okada were having their match, there was someone 
slapping the ring going, you need to go home, like like audibly loud <laughs> that the entire arena could hear it. Like it was bad. So there was obviously miscommunication and some miscues and stuff. And yeah, but they'll get there. You know, They'll get there. I mean, how bad must have – I mean, the guys that also paid a lot of money to book that show had to basically run to the ring, the Young Bucks. <laughs> I mean, I that, that was – I, and again, I'm not a big Young Bucks fan, but I was sitting there going, I feel so terrible for these guys. that They have to just blast through this match in like eight minutes because they literally, and as soon as the show was done, Nick Jackson took the mic and he said they just made it with three seconds to spare. It was that close. <laughs> and it, it reminded me of when ECW, ECW did their the very first pay-per-view pay yeah. and, and they, they almost lost power, but they had just enough power to go off the air and then the power went out and that uh, in the, uh, the ECW arena. So... A lot of similarities there. But that's it. You know, that's that's the origins of something very special, you know, and I hope they understand that because you can't buy that. You know, you can't buy that feeling. You can't buy that atmosphere. And it's cool that, that, that in the era of social media where everything is so plastic and fake, you can kind of get that feeling. Oh, yeah, it was. It was incredibly unique. Um, and, you know, I, I put some videos up on, on WrestleView's YouTube channel and you can see. Uh, Ray Mysterio thank them after the show's over and I, I did my best to kind of like scan and pan and I was always I'm always nervous at wrestling shows to take video too long um, just because I'm big this was a little different than like because WWE security is very like they're staring at you and you can't do stuff for very long but uh, I was very keen to be like okay I need to capture this and just show people that even if you weren't here you can kind of see it from my perspective and it was super impressive um, and it was just it was just crazy to like I'd be sitting there watching the show and I'd look up and I'm like I mean it's it's not like the biggest arena but it's a big arena though like it's a pretty sizable arena and to look up and see like far far back all the way to the top there was a seat filled I mean it was just it was a little over 11,000 people that they they packed in there and it was impressive and I I think they should obviously they know there's a market for it so I would be shocked if they don't do it again and Cody Rhodes hinted at that this week that um, he made this comment about a revolution and how revolutions aren't just one night. And then he gave a little smirk. So clearly they're making plans to do something, uh, next year. But, um, I say more, I, I like how you kind of described it, make it a destination, make it a convention and, and just kind of run with it. The only thing about it is I wish it wasn't Cody Rhodes. Oh, you don't have, you have issues with Cody Rhodes. <sighs> the term vanilla midget is so true. In what way? everywhere just his his overall appearance or or just the the best thing he ever did was stardust stardust is good but he, uh, but i also I like, like the dashing cody road stuff oh, too no, that I mean, was, a lot that, of people a lot of people sleep good. on that and i don't know I why like forgot about that, that stuff that yeah. stuff was hilarious that and was then great. when he when he had his face broke by ray mysterio and he had to cover up his face and i mean i think a lot of that stuff was underrated but um i just i, I think just, he he's also showing his if anything it was incredibly smart for him to leave when he did because yeah. all it did was just bump up his stock even more. And he knows that maybe the decision makers that were there when he left won't be in charge if he decides to go back. And that's probably going to be a Triple H call, not a Vince call, because we all know that Triple H is the one that's making a lot of I mean, obviously, Vince has to sign off on it. But yeah. Triple H is the one that is really establishing these contacts and relationships and and he's Triple H himself is. I mean, he's got Jeremy Borash down in NXT right now doing yeah, production for him. It's crazy, isn't it? I mean, he's he's building something right now mm -hmm. because he knows he needs something in place in NXT because he's going to have to take. I mean, this is going to be. I, I I don't think people realize 
that this XFL thing is is I mean, as much as they they claim there's no crossover, there's clearly going to be. Uh, maybe not to the level it was back in the day, but I really think Vince is going to just kind of run with that, and you're going to see Triple H and Stephanie now really super super more hands on than they are. Uh, and they are right now, but I think it's going to really increase in 2020. I mean, we're, I think, think in the next two years, you're going to really see quite the transition, especially with them going on Fox. I'm, I'm, I'm very curious to see kind of w- even where we're at this time next year, because this time next year they're going on Fox, which yeah. I'm sure to Irish listeners, that's not like a huge deal. Like, well, what would be the Fox equivalent in, in Ireland? Sky. Like Sky? Okay, yeah, so imagine. They're on the same, but that's what they're on now, and Fox is yeah. on Sky, so yeah. Fox is huge here. I mean, that's just huge to get that. And I know Friday's not the best time slot, but that's huge. So um, I feel like we're going to be really seeing a transition in the next couple of years. It'd be, I'll be surprised if Vince is as hands-on as he is now in two years. Here's the thing, though, right? Like, don't get me wrong. Cody is he is what he is. I, I, I don't know. I just don't buy the current Cody. I, I haven't – I don't know. There's just – the the if factor isn't there, and I don't know what it is. It just isn't, you know. Um, for well, me. it's hard to distinguish sometimes because he yeah. does a really good job of these documentaries. Like I don't know if you watched any of those All Us documentaries. I highly suggest it. Okay. Um, just because you get to see him as Cody the person, not Cody the character. Okay. Um, well, you I'm, get to see like, well, this is why I left, and this is why I decided to do this, and this yeah. is why I started working with the young bucks and we became friends and why we decided to do all in. And well, like, so you get to see that side of him, but then you're right though. Then he goes into like kiss my ring, Cody Rhodes mode. And then yeah. it gets a little, you blur the lines a little bit. Yeah. Like, and that's the thing, but also the main, the worst thing about all in for me was the main event because Nick Aldis is also, you know, I've, I've seen walls being painted that, that are more interesting than Nick Aldis. Oh, I totally disagree. I thought oh, he dude. was one of, I think he is one Come of the on. guys because I was I I was a big proponent of his during the TNA days when he was Magnus. Really, but then I was kind of like thinking like, well, maybe I'm getting tricked here because he has a good look, but he wasn't the best wrestler though. Like yeah. Doug Williams was clearly way better than him, but oh, also yeah. Nick was very new to the business at the yeah. time, so I had to keep that in mind. But when he became NWA champion, I was like, oh man, okay, I'll, I'll but. When I would when I would see again David Lagana, I mean this is again this is becoming I'm repeating myself a lot, but there's a reason for it. Right. There's a reason when Billy Corgan purchased the NWA that he hired a guy like David Lagana to take over production and I mean just watch one episode of Ten Pounds of Gold and you'll understand what I'm saying. They're right. doing a really good job of of kind of what the UFC does, where the UFC lets you in on who a fighter is and why and why this next fight is important to them. And they're doing that, but in a pro wrestling context. And it's something the WWE has started to do on the network with their 365 shows and they're doing more of them. And I'm glad they are. Um, but I think, you know, at the same time, the All In crew did an amazing job with it. And Dave Lagana's, and I think that's why Nick, when I saw Nick Aldis walk out there, dude, with Jeff Jarrett, you know the former NWA champion and the booze that he got, I was, and he was wearing like a commander. I was like, okay, I'm sold, man. This is awesome. And and Nick did a tremendous job. Had a great match with Cody. I thought that should have been the main event, but I understand why they did the six man uh, or whatever it was. The it was the Bucks and um, it was Rey Mysterio and and it was the Lucha guy. I, I honestly Bandito and somebody else. I honestly don't. I again very new to me. A lot of these talents were new to me. Yeah, but I thought that should. I thought I. I thought Cody and Nick should have been the main event. See, uh, 
it's the same reason why I find Mark Henry, even after all these years, hard to hard to do hard to take seriously. The hand just just finished me completely on Mark Han- on Mark Henry and Nick Aldis being oblivion in the UK Gladiators just totally finished me. Oh, so, I, I'm I'm with you in early Nick, but if you haven't seen any of his stuff lately, I think you would change your mind, especially some of the interviews he's done and sure. the stuff he's doing with the NWA. And and I'm looking forward to the rematch between Cody and Nick okay. on a 70th anniversary NWA show. Like, That's if you would have cool. told me that I would have been interested in anything the NWA was doing like a year ago, I would have called you crazy. So yeah, but the they're NWA, doing a good job. But the NWA has, you know, some kind of stakes again. It you does know. a little bit. I mean, it doesn't have the traditional, like, yeah. it's Billy Corgan going, we have a tape library, we're co-promoting with promotions across the country, but let's document. I think that's what that's one thing that they're doing better, is that they're documenting where these guys go. So they're documenting when Nick was showing up in Ring of Honor, and then when Nick would wrestle for championship wrestling from Hollywood, and then when he would go to a, an indie show, you would see him wrestling, but with the end of, and it would... It would give you the kind of what Triple H is trying to do with the UK version of the NXT, where he's he's trying to build territories across the world that he can then control, and exactly. that's yeah. been gone for so long in wrestling. And now Billy Corgan's going, well, why can't we go back to that? Because there is independent wrestling promotions across the country that are, you know, popular in their markets. So let's send our NWA champion to that promotion, and then let's have David Lagana record it and put together an episode. That's like seven or eight minutes, and then you're in the know. Then you know that Nick Aldis is defending the title, or now you know that Cody's the champion, and now he's defending the title. So there's a reason behind these things, and I think that they're doing a really good job of telling a story and making you care because for a long time nobody cared. Yeah, because nobody knew. Yeah, it was nobody knew, and and it was it was a dead. Br- I mean, I it was even a stretch when TNA co-promoted with the NWA in 2002. I was like, what are they doing? Like. Yeah. It was I, I was I was kind of against it. I was like, oh no, but Jeff Jarrett did a good job as champion and kept holding that belt and you wanted to see him lose, but he would always win. And then eventually they just decided, okay, we've done we're on Spike TV. We don't really need this brand anymore. We have our own brand and they mm. just kind of cut ties. And then it kind of disappeared again for many, many years. It wasn't until Billy Corgan said, Hey, I'd love to take advantage, you know, of the history of this brand that uh, that, and they're doing something with it, so they're they're not wasting their time. They're doing something with it. That's very cool. Like it's it, it's great to actually have that, you know, in twenty eighteen to be able to go and experience something like that. So for, like Billy Corgan, he's it's a shame he got shafted when he did, but it's cool that he's going back there. But I before we finish up, Adam, something very interesting that um, I'm looking forward to is the Super Showdown, which is on next Saturday. Yeah. And it's going to feature the last ever match of Undertaker versus Triple H. So it's going to be cool. Um, there's also some other go- good matches on it there. So what what are, your, what, what are your overall feelings on it? And how like are you a fan of these glorified house shows? Well, I mean, they're definitely trying to treat them as bigger. Like, I, I did not watch the Greatest Royal Rumble show live. Dude, that was um, awesome. But that, but yeah, it was a good show. Like so I'm back, I was like, wow, this is actually pretty good. So they're they're trying to make like almost like mini. I wouldn't say I hate to say WrestleMania, but definitely yeah. like SummerSlam kind of quality shows. And the fact that they're booking Triple H and Undertaker, um, I know a lot of people probably don't want to see them. I'm not thrilled about wanting to see these guys wrestle again. But man, have they done an excellent job of trying to convince you that you want to see these guys wrestle? I mean, they. They they pulled some match from like Kuwait in 1996 out and put it up on YouTube and they're yeah. trying to show like 
these guys have been wrestling each other for a long time. And there's the little hint of, you know, Shawn Michaels maybe getting back in the ring uh, again, and he's going to be in Triple H's corner. But yeah, um, I'm not thrilled about having to wake up at four o'clock in the morning to cover the show live. Uh, Adam, stop, uh, stop, listen, listen. Yeah, but you guys deal with that all yeah. the time. In our, so, yeah. <laughs> this is called watching. We're just called watching wrestling. Yeah, this is so. You're, yeah, we're spoiled, so yeah. now we have to kind of get a taste of what you guys have to deal with. Yeah, but no, no, like uh, I, I think it's a cool concept. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I was nervous they wouldn't be able to sell out that. Well, it's a giant soccer stadium, right? That they're going yeah. to. Yeah, it, it, yeah, it, it's like a totally different, a totally different um, kind of setting for. It. I think it's great. I just think it's funny when I hear Americans say that because it's like, dude, I, I've been doing this since I was eight. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah. I know. We're we're so spoiled. We're yeah. used to, you know, seven, eight o'clock on a Sunday. Yeah, and you're, you're used get, to you're, what, two in the morning or something? Uh one to four in the morning. You're gonna get no sympathy from any of our listeners, Adam. Oh <laughs> I know. I'm well, I'm 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 one hundred percent spoiled American when I just made that <laughs> statement. So absolutely. But yeah, it's it's a big soccer stadium that they're that they're gonna be in and it apparently it's huge. Like uh, it's been a while since they've been they've done something like this. I think the last thing was Global Meltdown, wasn't it? Yeah, they've done. They did an Australia show. I want to say uh, like two thousand two ish, and yeah. Hogan was supposed to be on the card, and then they had a parting of the ways. So I think they did like Brock and Undertaker, mm. or Brock and Triple H, or and I think The Rock was on the card. The and, Rock was on the card. Yeah. Yeah. So it was a long time ago, but um, it's interesting, and I know there's a lot of controversy of the the deal with Saudi Arabia because as soon as I didn't realize how close in proximity it was, but as soon as the Evolution show is done, the next week is the Crown Jewel show in yep. Saudi Arabia. So it's like kind of bad timing that they decide. But they also, you know, you can't say. I mean, I know that the, it's a it's very hypocritical, but they also have stockholders that want to see money, and yep. that company is now valued at over seven billion dollars now. So why would they say no to money? I know it's incredibly hypocritical to do that in Saudi Arabia mm. considering they're putting together their first ever women's pay-per-view but well, that's probably why you know it's the most hypocr- it's the most hypocritical in the world hypocritical thing in the world where they're like you know oh look at our women's division they're equal to men now let's do a show where you can't drive no it's and then and it's <laughs> I and I get the criticism but I also understand that this is a publicly traded company if this wasn't a publicly traded company you wouldn't be getting much argument from me but For they sure. they answer to stockholders now I mean yeah. it, it's the the value i mean did you have you seen the stock price right now i oh, mean yeah. it's, it's it's ridiculous it's, it's never been good. this high it's obviously going to come down at some point um but the fact that that company is valued at over 7 billion dollars that's ridiculous and if a co- if a country as as backwards as saudi arabia is wants to write you a check for i think it was somewhere in the, in the 45 to 50 minute whatever it was yeah you're you're not going to say no to that you have to you have to i mean you can't say no to money when you're it, the entire reason this company exists is to make money. Yeah, and no, I know that much wrestling reason. fans can't connect those two things <laughs> very much, but that's why it exists, Dude, and they need to make money. WWE stock right now is nearly hundred dollars. Yeah, it's ridiculous. That's crazy. That is crazy. It's, it's never been bigger, and and I, so I I get the criticism. Um, I totally understand it, but uh, but at the same time, they're publicly traded. So yeah. sorry. Yeah, it's like what what I think it is. It's like. They they know they, they want the cake and eat it too, so that's why I think they're having the women's pay per view. And they're like, "Well, look, we have this. Just you know, don't look behind there. It's, <laughs> you know, it's just <laughs> do the don't, old Leslie Nielsen. Nothing to see here. There's everybody. nothing to see here. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so it's like, look, it is what it is, and it's it's funny, and we can make jokes about it, which we will. But um, it, it's still just kind of like, well, look, your stock's hundred dollars. 
it's weird. There was a great video uh, that somebody put up on Twitter making fun of it of somebody shaking hands and they were putting all the pay-per-views on the faces and <laughs> the evolution face tries to hug somebody. The guy's like, Hey, yeah, whatever. And he just tries to shake it, but he, he hugs the Saudi Arabia person. And so there's jokes obviously in it. And I, I get the jokes and I share the jokes and I laugh at them too, but yeah. this is a publicly traded company. So you're kidding yourselves. If you think they're not going to take money. Yeah, no, it, uh, it, it is just kind of funny that they're like, they haven't figured out how ridiculous it looks. <laughs> oh, they have to know. It's I mean, so and that's silly. the one stupid thing about that company is that, they, I mean, imagine being a female talent on that roster oh, yeah, and right. you're like, cause I'm sure they want to say something too, but you can't risk your job because you want to make a statement. And I mean, if anything, if you're going to get fired now, you're going to be fine. Cause the indie scene's on fire. Yeah. You're going to get booked everywhere and there's a lot of opportunities, but yeah, I mean, imagine being a female talent on that roster and you want to say something, but you can't cause you don't want to lose your job. Yeah. It's just. I don't know. I don't think anyone would would question them on it, but it's still just one of those kind of things where you're like, you've written yourself into a corner here, so either oh, yeah. you know, it, just do it. They're, they're going to do a couple of shows in Saudi Arabia now as well. I believe that's the deal. There's like two or three shows. They're going to yeah. you know a year, and look, they are good shows. The Greatest Royal Rumble was well, it was the Greatest Royal Rumble. It was fantastic, and um, you know and. We can. I know things in Saudi Arabia are kind of changing, but it is still incredibly backward in a lot of ways. So, look, maybe just don't big up your be a star campaign, and you know that when you're <laughs> over there, and then you're fine because you know then then we get less memes of, and memes are banned in Europe. So that's right. I've been I've been seeing your the stuff you've been sharing, so it's oh, been entertaining. Man, yeah. Well, we got another couple of months before the band I like your Pablo down. Escobar one where it's like he named <laughs> memes and it was just a stack of memes behind him so that was that was lovely the, the illegal meme trade yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh it's ridiculous yeah Europe's EU is a big joke <laughs> it really is it's crazy oh it's funny but uh, look I, I'm looking forward to this show we'll probably end up doing a uh, we'll do a re- uh, preview of it next week but Adam I want to thank you so much for being on the show man it's been an absolute pleasure Absolutely, and I, I'm always astonished when I look at the clock at how quick these this conversation between you and I goes by when we do this. So it's so much fun. Oh, it's crazy! It's it's the fa- it's the fastest hour. Um, I know like, it's great. I love it though. It's it's entertaining. We have to do it more often. That's the thing, and we always say that. But then it's like six months down the line. <laughs> now we need to make we need to make like no less than every two months or something because it's yeah. just it's too much fun to not do it. For sure, man. For sure, that sounds that sounds like a plan, you know. And it's just like there's so much happening now on rest of you that there's no excuse not to you guys Absolutely. are everywhere you guys are everywhere you're on youtube you're on twitch all that kind of stuff so it's it's great it's fun i enjoy it so and thanks for having me i appreciate it oh no man no worries at all so real quick give us the hard sell where can everyone contact you and, and send you the tweets about the men in stretchy pants uh at adam russell view on twitter and then of course russell views all over social media we're at russell view on twitter we're uh facebook.com slash russell view we have the the facebook group as well look up russell view media um we have a, a great time in there talking wrestling all the time um and then of course we're on uh, instagram we've been really trying to pump our instagram up uh, lately so we've been doing that and of course we're going to have all the podcast content migrating and easier to uh to get on different platforms like spotify and stitcher and everything so uh we're not going to be discluding the uh, outlets anymore so that'll be really fun fantastic and of course we're on youtube as well subscribe and like to us on youtube awesome and uh yeah uh also on twitch as well there's some stuff there as well which is pretty cool yeah doug has been doug's been testing the waters for us over there with uh, wrestleview weekly and it's been going pretty well so we're we're thinking about um 
uh, either either we're we're making a decision: are we going to stick with YouTube because I know there's some YouTube guidelines people run into, or do we make the jump and just go with Twitch and 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 dig in deep there? Because I'd, I'd hate to be on just a million platforms. I'd really love to be exclusive to somewhere. Well, I'm I'm a huge fan of Twitch um, personally, and you can you can migrate you can migrate your stuff over to YouTube from there as well. So it's very easy. But Twitch is Twitch is fantastic. Um, it is a good platform. Yeah, I, I really like it. It doesn't have the same nonsense that's on YouTube. So no, no, and I'm a big, I'm a big fan of watching streamers too. I'm a big fan of the Doctor Disrespect too. I love watching him play games. Oh, it's great, man! It's just I, I can't watch people play games, but I stream a lot. So I'm like, hey, you guys want to watch me? You know, make some dinosaurs. Okay. <laughs> 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 but uh, Adam, listen, thank you so much for being on the show, man. Um, it's been an absolute pleasure. We'd have to get you on in in, in uh, the very near future. Absolutely. Thank you very much, Dara. I appreciate it. And thank you for broadcasting my voice uh, in one of my favorite countries. I love Ireland and I want to come back as soon as possible. Oh, that's going to be fun. Looking forward to that. Like, that's, uh, Ireland's a great place when, it, when, it's, not it. rain, when, it's, when it's not raining. <laughs> Still beautiful even when it rains. All right, guys. So until next week, this has been the Rescue International Left here on Phoenix 92.5 FM. Remember, if you're not listening to the podcast, subscribe to the podcast. Show you how you'll find it. Show you how you'll find it.